Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 2nd, 2021, including Xbox has exclusive news for Tokyo Game Show this year, more bad news for Halo Infinite, Cyberpunk 2077's Series X and S patch may be delayed until 2022, and more. So this is an interesting week in that yesterday when I was writing the notes for this week, I was like, wow, this is the slowest news week in a while. It's going to be hard to get enough Xbox news in the show so that people don't feel like it's an entirely off-topic uh, week. But then today, enough things happen that I feel like it's it's pretty well-rounded. But the problem is I wrote so much of the show already around the idea of it being a slow news week that now today's episode has the potential to be one of those episodes that's either going to be just fine in terms of the amount of content or it's going to be super bloated with just a ton of bullshit. So let's hope you like bullshit because that might be what you're getting almost exclusively today. But we do have some news and we do have a lot of interesting things to bring up, good comments, whatnot. Welcome to episode 117 of Xbox On, the only Xbox podcast hosted by a man currently wearing a Sonic the Hedgehog Halloween t-shirt. It's me. Nice to see you there. Now, of course, before we can get into any comments or regular run of show, we got to start out with a couple of housekeeping notes and corrections and things of that nature. So the first thing I want to point out here is just a couple. Let's let's start with something Xbox related. You know, you guys ever listen to a show and think, wow, you know, sometimes it's funny when we talk about the chicken sandwich and whatnot. But I wish, you know, there are weeks where I wish we just talk about just get to the Xbox. OK, fuck you. We'll do it. Cutie pie. You guys know that this week we got preview coverage of Far Cry 6. EA Motive shared an early pre-alpha, I mean like actually alpha footage of the Dead Space remake running in action. And today we got a look at Marvel's Midnight Suns actual gameplay footage. This is the game that was announced the other week during Gamescom. Now we actually have some gameplay of this weird XCOM Fraxis developed kind of like Fire Emblem cross XCOM cross Marvel looking game. It's pretty cool. Very unique looking game. So if you're interested in any of those games, there's plenty of coverage on these things. Go go and look for them. Watch these trailers. Watch these gameplay videos. Watch the the coverage of other, of other media outlets out there talking about these games. Some cool stuff. I just want to put that out there as we start to slowly transition out of the slow summer lull and into the very busy fall season with tons and tons of games coming out. So I just wanted to put that all kind of out there to help you know tantalize you guys get your palates wet a little bit you know get get you know wet your appetites a a, a tiny bit as we embrace for impact you know we got battlefield and halo and far cry and dying light 2 and all these games just on the horizon but if you're a real one before any of those games come out what you're really excited for is this friday only if you pre-ordered it sonic colors ultimate edition what the fuck yeah that's right you know where i'll be on friday night on my Xbox playing Sonic Colors. Ain't trapped on the Nintendo Wii no more, Sonic Colors. That's for sure. Anyway, all right, so I just want to put that out there in case those are any of the high-profile games you're highly anticipating. Uh, That's So that's the first thing. The second thing, just a little bit of uh, a a plugging and pimping, just some updates for those of you who follow the YouTube page and 
the Twitch and all that. So fast forward a minute or two if you're not interested in any of that shit. But I did want to just say, you know, we're, we're trucking along over on Twitch. Uh, we just hit 70 followers, so thank you guys for that. I'm very proud of what we've accomplished there. You know, the thing I keep trying to remind myself is, you know, it, there's always this, like, when your head's too in the moment and you're just thinking about what you need to do next to try and grow something or make it, you know, evolve or get people to pay attention. And the important thing to me is, like, dude, consistently, every time I go live to stream, a handful of you guys actually show up and you're actually there and we interact. And I, I really want to just say thank you so much. It's, it is, you know, it, it's a little nerve wracking every time I, I hit, I hit go live right before stream. And I'm like, maybe today's the day where just no one shows up. It's just one person or zero people, whatever it is. I, I get that, that little voice in the back of my head every single time I'm about to go live. And then, you know, sometimes it's a handful of you. Sometimes it's 10. Sometimes it's a little more like, Listen, it, it blows my mind that without fail so far, we've been doing this for over a month now, every time, at least a handful of you guys show up, and I'm, I'm super grateful for it. So, you know, no obligation to ever check out the Twitch if it's something you're not interested in, if it's not your thing. That's totally cool. I respect that. I, I pretty much never watch Twitch, so, like, why the hell should I expect you to watch me on Twitch? That's totally understandable. But to those who do, you know, Lightning Extreme on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme. Uh, we're having a lot of fun over there. We're starting to get things down a little bit, get a lot of the kinks ironed out and start to get in our groove of of how this works. And it's uh, I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy it quite a bit. So thank you for that. The other thing I wanted to say is I'm currently working on the next YouTube video for the Lightning Extreme YouTube page. Thank you guys so much for your reception on the first one. That video has crossed, I think, 50 views now, which, you know, again... For a channel that had zero subscribers the other day, I'm super grateful for that. So thank you guys so much for checking out that video. I am working on the next video right now. I will just say this. It is absolutely nothing like the video I, I just put out. So if you're if you're wondering what that next video might be, let me just uh, let me just tease you by saying don't expect anything like what you just saw. Uh, but be very excited, especially those of you who have names that rhyme with Rethel, Ligrain, that's just a bunch of wordplay to give you a little tease of what we might be talking about. Anyway, let's get that all out of the way, guys. So that's all of our intro housekeeping bullshit. Now, if you're saying, Jesse, I don't care about Twitch, I don't care about your other stuff, I'm just here for the Xbox podcast, well, you can uncover your ears because we're back to the regular show. Let's jump into the comments, of which there are quite a few. Now, I was hoping we'd talk a lot about Gamescom and Xbox through the comments, but it seems like there was a lot of... Uh, just general shenanigan kind of talk, which, you know what, I'm here for that as well. So let's start out with someone we haven't heard from for a long time, a new daddy who's been busy raising a family and living an actual life, but we missed him. We didn't forget about him. Mr. Sarugi, welcome back to the show. He's here to set the record straight. He says, damned Americans and your interchanging use of sandwich and burger. Bing says, quote, a sandwich is between two pieces of bread. A burger is between a split bun or roll. Also, a ham sand, a ham and salad sandwich is delicious. A ham and salad burger, not so much. All right, Sergey. Okay, first of all, I think I think someone mentioned a ham salad sandwich or something at one point, and I kind of like just brushed it off as something that I was unfamiliar with that sounded gross. So I think that's what you're referencing there. So let's just get that out of the way. Now let's get into the meat of your comment here, Sergey, because. Americans aren't interchangeably using, you know, burgers and sandwiches. We're not we're not flipping with that. There is a very it doesn't matter what Bing says. Yes, I'm a I'm a cultured man. I don't use Google, I use Bing. So you use the correct source here. 
But even then, being is sometimes wrong. Yes, I'm here on an Xbox slash Microsoft related podcast saying that Bing, which is a Microsoft product, is sometimes wrong. Oh, well. The, th- the fact is, the Americans invented the burger. Don't quote me on that. And we get to dictate what the fuck a burger means. And here's here's the reality of it. And I've noticed this a lot because I'll watch videos of Australians or, 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 or English people going around calling all sorts of sandwiches burgers. And that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me deeply uncomfortable. When people call like like a turkey like a turkey burger, like that that right there has always made me discomforted when people refer to a those turkey patties as turkey burgers. Fuck that. Or when someone's like, oh, that's one nasty burger, and they're just talking about what, like a Chick-fil-A sandwich? Let me ask you, Sarugi, does a chicken sandwich constitute as a chicken burger? No. Because the bun and the sandwich bread are irrelevant to the conversation. What makes something a burger is when it is a beef patty served on a burger bun with whatever condiments you choose to have or not have, whether that be bacon, avocado, cheese, lettuce, tomato, mayo, mustard, pickles, no ketchup, you know, whatever it is you choose to put on there, that's a burger. It is a beef patty. And because I want to be more inclusive, listen, I understand not everyone's a meat eater. That's that's totally cool. If you are a vegetarian or a vegan and you opt for, you know, bean burgers or impossible burgers, I will consider those burgers as well. I'm not trying to exclude anyone. I'm not trying to tell you that your diet doesn't get deserve a place at the table. That's that's cool. Those are burgers as well. That's great. But a chicken sandwich is a chicken sandwich. Why? Not because there needs to be a logic. Stop. You're you're fighting you're fighting your most instinctive basic human desire to categorize things, okay? This is a thing. Psychologists have studied this for many years. This is a human thing. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how you were raised. This is something that is innate to humans. We have a instinct to categorize everything. That's why race exists because race isn't a real thing. It's a social construct because as humans, we need to be able to put people in boxes. These ones are boys. These ones are white. We do it with everything. We do it with music. This is rock. This is hip hop. We do it with movies. This is comedy. This is action. We do it with everything. Video games. This is RPG. This is whatever. Listen, we don't need to do this with food. It's completely arbitrary. A burger isn't something that falls under a category of What kind of bread are you using? A burger is a burger. It's a burger. It's not something that we set specific parameters together. This isn't math, okay? You feel it. A burger is something that's so, so, it's so, something you're so spiritually connected with that you can't put it into words. It's just, you know it when you see it. So you go to McDonald's and they give you a Big Mac. No one's arguing that that's a burger or not a burger. It's a burger. You go over to your local pub and you order. You order the 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 burger with the with the beer cheese and all the shit on it, and it's totally different from the Big Mac, but no less delicious. It's way bigger, way more premium beef. Whatever, is it a burger or a sandwich? It's a burger. But the second someone tries to put chicken on that bitch, the second someone makes it about cold cuts meat, the second someone makes it about peanut butter and jelly or something like that, that's a sandwich. Regardless of the bread you use, I don't even care if you take two fucking pretzels, not pretzel buns, goddamn pretzels, German pretzels, and you just shove a bunch of like whatever the fuck it is you're feeling like eating, like sardines and in 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 aeolia. Who fucking knows what it is? That's a sandwich. It's always a sandwich. There's a. Have you ever heard? I don't know if you ever took uh, geometry, but what they say is 
All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Okay, now I'm going to change my logic and say, so a burger is a specific type of sandwich. It's a burger, but that doesn't mean all sandwiches are burgers. So that doesn't mean your peanut butter and jelly is a burger. That doesn't mean your chicken sandwich just because it's on a bun is a burger. No, that's false. But the burger is a form of the sandwich. It is just a form of the sandwich that is so exceptional, it deserves its own categorization. You like how I stepped all over my feet there and spoke with absolute confidence just to, like, make absolutely no sense whatsoever? Sarugi, did you miss me? Did you miss the show? Welcome back. I hope your kid's doing well. I hope your family's doing great. I've convinced absolutely no one of my argument, but you know what? I had fun doing it. So good to see you again. Now, that I wanted to open up with that one because it was lighthearted and it was fun, but Mazman wants to get serious. So we're it's, don't worry. It's not politics, but... We got a serious issue going on, and Mazman's going to introduce it to us. So he says, well, today was a day full of ups and downs. Went online as soon as the Mountain Dew sent the tweet out, and the website ran like shit. Had it in my cart, but couldn't even get checked out before it sold out. On the plus side, I did manage to obtain a Halo Series X console and Halo Series 2 Elite controller from GameStop. This actually makes my second Halo console. I also got one ordered from Target. All right, so Mousman is a reseller, so everyone go go at him. No, but all joking aside, this is a very serious issue. And Mousman, I like the way you wrote this. You wrote this as if everyone in the world knew what was going on here because you knew I knew, and I like that. It's very personal. So for those who need context, this week, Mountain Dew put up for pre-order the Mountain Dew Flamin' Hot. Yes, it's like Flamin' Hot Cheetos, Flamin' Hot, but for Mountain Dew. And they're only selling it online. It's a limited time run. And when it went up for pre-order, the announcement went out. I got the email. I got the Twitter notification. So I was ready for it. I was on my break at work. I was like, I'm ready. Here I am waiting by the phone. I'm ready to click on this shit and order this thing. And I shit you not, this is not an exaggeration. Trying to pre-order this fucking Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew was just as difficult, if not more, than last year when we tried to, when Xbox Series X went up for pre-order and we tried to pre-order those bad bitches. It was that frustrating. I sat there for 50, I'm not even, this is, I know, 52 minutes trying to pre-order this fucking thing. Same thing. I got it in my cart, no problem. But every time you go to checkout, sometimes I would get to the point where it's like, enter in your shipping information. I would get to that. And then a very few times I would get past that screen to where it's like payment. But then it would always shit the bed on me. So I know what you're talking about, Mazman. I I did the same thing. 52 minutes, I was not able to order it. And it sold out. And Mountain Dew, let me say this. Mountain Dew handled the situation fucking horribly. Like, Like three out of 10. They did such a bad job. They... They put it up, website instantly crashed, everyone was bitching, everyone was complaining, no one could get it, and then 20 minutes into it, they are just like, they sent a follow-up tweet like, hey, we know some people are having issues, bear with us, you'll be fine, just uh, hang in there. As if, like, as if to reassure, like, don't worry, everyone's gonna get some, just, just hang on, the website's just, you know, crashing because there's a lot of traffic, but things will even out and settle and you'll be able to get your thing. So, I tried not to make too big a deal out of it, I was like, okay, the tweet says, like, everything's cool, just give it some time, I'm, I'm being cool, and then after 52 fucking minutes, they, they send a follow, another follow-up tweet, and they're just like, uh, yeah, so it's officially sold out, thanks to everyone for helping us make this thing a reality, and it's like, what? And everyone was immediately outraged, just like, what the fuck, man, I had this thing in my cart the whole time and your stupid website fucking failed i was here the second it went live i was ready to pay for it. i did my part you fucking failed me by having this shit website and having this shitty like way of getting the item out to people and i was like 
yeah, man, I understand why people are mad. I'm I'm even a little upset. And then Mountain Dew's response was like, stay tuned for future updates, ha ha ha. And so, yes, almost definitely they're going to do a second run of this. We're going to get another chance to pre-order the Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew. But the fact that they handled it so poorly the first time was, like, just mind-blowing. Like, this isn't a PlayStation 5. This isn't the new iPhone. It's fucking Mountain Dew. Like, come on, guys. Are you serious? I was very upset with how they handled this. So, not not great. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like, too disheartened, though, because this kind of happened last time when they did the birthday cake Mountain Dew, although it wasn't this stressful or this difficult. But then they did a second run a few weeks later. So, my recommendation to you is follow Mountain Dew on Twitter. Hit the notification so, you, so you're, 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 t- you're, you're, so you're, um, so you're pinged every time they tweet. And sooner rather than later, probably in the next couple of weeks, they'll be like, hey, here's a, another run of the Flame and Hot Mountain Dew. Go pre-order it again. So there'll probably be another chance. But yes, this was very upsetting. All because, you know, a bunch of fucking YouTubers are going to do these annoying videos of like, Flamin' Hot what now? Mountain Dew gets Cheetos in it? And then there'll be like all these clickbaity videos where someone's like, okay, I don't actually drink Mountain Dew, but I'm from the 90s. So this is fucking crazy man we're gonna try flaming hot mountain dew it's gonna be some douchebag who doesn't even give a shit about mountain dew and he's gonna get like a fucking million views drinking fucking soda on on screen and i'm gonna be like kind of wish i i did that but no more importantly all of us do fans will be over here like yo we'd actually be enjoying this product if you sold it to us but whatever it's cool mavs man we'll keep our cool because you know what we don't let we don't let a little uh, a little pre-order uh, uh, uh snafu stop us from being who we are which is do diehards. There will be another chance. In the meantime, I mean, hey, you got two Halo Infinite Xbox Series Xs and a Halo Infinite Elite controller. So look, you got, I think most people would say you got the better end of the deal, right? There's that. Now, next up, I I need some help. Uh, I'm calling out to you, the audience, to help me with this next one. Megan Burton wrote in, first time writer, writer inner. Hello, Megan. Thank you. Hey, Jess, love the show, man. You make my day every time there is an episode. Keep it up, broski. Tom McDonald is king. Okay, so just that comment alone, I would read this and be like, not really sure what you meant at the end there, but hey, thanks for writing in. I really appreciate the kind words. Welcome to the show, Megan. That would be my reaction. But Megan, you had to follow up with some other comments here, and now I'm a little confused. You go, first time commenter also, how do I ask you questions? I got, got a new sub here. Love you, lol. Okay, well, you already asked me questions because you already you already commented here, so you know how it works, Megan. Now you're just now you're just being cool. Now you're just trying to be sly, and then but that that's whatever. You know, I can I can get over that. That's not a huge deal. That's nothing. Thank you for being here, Megan. Glad to have you. This is where I don't know how to react because I and this is it sounds like so boy who cried wolf coming from me because all I do on this fucking podcast is say stupid, dry, sarcastic shit to the point where literally sometimes I get mean tweets and bad reviews of people thinking that I'm genuinely picking on the audience and insulting you guys when I'm just being stupid and sarcastic. So it sounds like the boy who cried wolf coming from me, but I'm in a situation where I don't know how to read this. I don't know if this is silly or sarcastic or serious or what. So God help me. I'm calling out to one lethal migraine. Lethal migraine, you have been picked. Please check on the validity of this person and the validity of this comment. Please help us to dictate how we should how we should proceed with the comment I'm about to read you. Because Megan Burton leaves a third comment that reads, quote, Guess I'll ask you a question here, lol. I'm thinking of making a homemade porno. Which title makes you want to buy most? Lords, Lord of the G-Strings, Throbin' Hood, Homeblown, 
or Womb Raider. Please answer honestly, since OnlyFans is going away soon for nudity. Thanks, Jess. So, for the first time on this show where I rant monotonously for two hours plus every fucking week, I'm at a loss for words. I don't know what to say, what to do. Lethal Migraine, I've called on to you. Please, help us navigate these waters and tell us where to go from here. And Megan, none of those names. None of those names. You could do Xbox Turned On. You could do Xbox... Oh, you know, like Xbox Go Home? You could do like Xbox Go Down. <laughs> no, I'm not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Lethal Migraine, help us. All right, switching the subject fast. XCOM, uh, or XCOM, game, Xbox at Gamescom. We got a handful of write-ins about Gamescom from last week. Uh, rightly so. That's what we talked about last week. The Gaming Noob says, Jesse After Midnight is a hot take machine. I like this, Jesse. Well, Gaming Noob, thank you. I like you. Josiah, my brother, writes in, In all fairness, Microsoft only did that whole announcing things that aren't ready to be announced during E3 2020. And that, I think, was a console wars move. I think they had I think they had this awful showcase for Gamescom because they didn't want to talk about a bunch of things that aren't ready. Also, Redf- Redfall and Starfield are definitely enough to carry next year, so that... So that won't be it for releases, but those and Hellblade will probably all be notable ones for next year. So, yes, I want to clarify, because last week, obviously, I was very critical of Microsoft in this really awful Gamescom presentation they did last week. And then a month or two back during E3, I was also very critical about the E3 press conference, because although these are very different, very different criticisms for very different events. Let me let me clarify there. E3 2021, the E3 that just happened was a very, very, very good presentation on its own, in its own isolated context with no other knowledge surrounding it. It was a two thumbs up, very, very solid showing. The problem is a year before that showing, they announced a billion different games that we didn't get any updates on. Not even one of those games got an update. That is my criticism of E3. It's that, yes, there's a bunch of really cool shit here, but instead of giving us an update on some of that other really cool shit from last year, you just talked about a whole new slate of new shit. And now I'm just like, okay, at some point, you got to stop just announcing stuff and start telling me about the things you've already announced and when that's coming. So very different criticisms because my criticism of Gamescom last week was that was fucking awful. None of this needed to happen. This presentation was a waste of everyone's time. You could have done some of these little updates in a little blog post. This was stupid. This was bad. Straight up zero redemption here. Just no good. So in all fairness, yes, I've been really critical of Microsoft and Xbox lately and how they've been handling these things, but for very different reasons. So with that said, I just want to set the stage there because I know there's some people out here. I'm starting to realize there's a lot of there's a lot of these Xbox people out here who are like, if you become even remotely critical of the brand, I will turn my back on you and, and write you off as a human. I'm like, okay, okay, calm down, dude. You know, Microsoft is a company that doesn't give a shit about you or anything. They are a massive corporation has enough money to like own the world. Like the last thing they fucking need is you defending their every move okay we can we can criticize xbox i think if anything it makes us more legitimate fans because we actually can differentiate what makes them great from where they can improve but i just i just want to set the stage with that before we go any further because i think it's going to be a reoccurring theme as we continue to talk about these things but that being said i like this point that you know the whole the whole reason they announced so much premature shit you know, last year, not this past E3, but the one before it, right before the Series X came out, was a console wars move. I, I like that idea, and I think there's probably a lot of merit to that, because it wasn't so much about, like, these are the games you're going to be playing in a few months when Series X launches, but it was more about being like, 
Here's why you should care about Series X, because we're going to have this and this and this and this and this, and it's going to be the most powerful console ever made, and it's going to make the PlayStation 5 look stupid because they, they have way fewer games to talk about, and there's so much to be excited for, and there's so much on the horizon. There's so many reasons why you should be excited about Xbox Series S and X. And so that's a fair point. And then this year's E3 was like, now let's roll it back and only talk about the stuff that's a little more imminent, because... Now that people have the Series X, have the Series S, the new consoles are out, we have an idea for this shit, let's just talk about the stuff that they're actually going to be getting their hands on soon rather than just the shit we're working on in general. So that's, listen, if you want to phrase if you want to frame it that way, I still think what they did was technically wrong, but that is a good way to interpret it and there's probably a lot of merit to that. But yes, I, I mean, yes, next year, if the big... Xbox first party games are Redfall and Starfield and Hellblade 2. Let's say all these games definitely come out next year. No delays. Nothing bad happens. These games legitimately come out. They hit their 2022 release date. Whatever. Hey, that is that is a great lineup of, of big Xbox games. Knowing full well that there's going to be a bunch of smaller games that come out throughout the year. A bunch of new Halo content that comes out throughout the year. All those kinds of things. So, yes, I, I agree with that. But, again, it's like, even if those games come out, it's great. And you probably get Forza next year as well. The, the bigger issue is, like, it's not that there, were, that there weren't enough Xbox games released in 2022. It's that in 2022, you're now two years removed from 2020 when they talked about all these fucking games we haven't seen updates on. So now it becomes like, okay, what the hell's Rare working on? And where the hell is that Fable game? And I, I know that, you know, Perfect Dark wasn't supposed to come out that fast, but like also it's been a minute now, like give us an update. So that's, that kind of becomes the thing is like the, the, the longer we go on without getting updates for these games, the more of a story becomes where it's like, wow, you really, really blew your wad premature, didn't you? So whatever. But I like, I like that comment. I like that logic you bring. Sweaty Bandito. One of my favorites. How could you not love a man with that name? Says, the moment in the Xbox show when Paris puts on his sunglasses like he's David Caruso in CSI Miami and says, tell me about the Top Gun DLC. And the director of Flight Sim is like, well, the movie is still under wraps, so I can't tell you anything. Is either 100% cringe or brilliant comedy. I, I like this comment, Sweaty Bandito, because it is like, how did you manage to fill up like seven or eight minutes of airtime talking about a thing you're not allowed to talk about due to NDA. So it's like, what? <laughs> but yes, God, that moment, this, that, that presentation was not very good. Now I do want to read this comment coming up from Mojo as well as a comment from Mr. Miggy, because it kind of paints two opposite uh, sides of, of this whole Paris character. Cause I, I want to be honest. I don't know a lot about that influencer Paris. I don't mean to like totally shit on him. I'm sure he is a good person. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I know a lot of people follow him. A lot of people really like him in the Xbox community. So clearly it, that doesn't mean that I'm right and everyone's wrong and he's just a loser. It probably means that there's a lot of cool stuff he's done and said in the past that I'm just not pervy to because I haven't given him a proper chance. I never, you know, I I, I fell out of love with Kind of Funny long before he ever got into that sh into their shows. So, you know, I stopped, I stopped listening to Kind of Funny when they backstabbed Colin Moriarty like four years ago. So... You know, I, I I don't know. I don't. I he hasn't. He wasn't that kind of funny back then. So I haven't listened to him on podcasts. I'm sure he is interesting. But got a couple comments on him. He he comes up a little bit with this Gamescom stuff. So we'll read through it. Mojo says totally agree about that Xbox influencer Paris clown. Had to unfollow him with all his cyberpunk hype was so, so cringe. Then it flopped, basically proving that he's just a wannabe hype man. And Gamescom 2021 
was so hyped and oversaturated with D-level games, which in turn ruined my YouTube subscription feed because IGN replayed every goddamn game from Gamescom. So disappointing, but thankfully Mountain Dew announced a Flaming Hot Cheetos drink. Haha, <laughs> definitely trying it. Cheers, ex-boners. Oof, Mojo. You definitely wrote that comment before the uh, pre-order disaster happened with the uh, Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. I can tell you that much. But no, all of that aside... See, Mojo, I, I I tend to be more in line with you. Maybe I'm just a little bit of a negative Nancy, but I, I my default position just kind of kind of falls in line with you. Sometimes I feel like like I don't deserve to 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 do a podcast. I mean, whatever. I can do this podcast all I want. Whether or not people want to listen to it, that's that's a different that's a different story. But sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to have anyone support my podcast because there are so many moments where I feel exactly how what you just described. Exactly the way you just described, where it's like I'll open up YouTube, you know, and I'm just like, okay, you know, like I'm I'm here, I'm on my lunch break, or I'm, you know, I just got home and I just need to like kill 20 minutes on the toilet or something. Like, how can I just like turn my brain to mush for 20 minutes and just decompress? And I'll just be scrolling through YouTube, hoping for something fun. I just see like. IGN six minute gameplay of cyberpunk update or like this stupid fucking like the first 15 minutes of Far Cry with no commentary and uh, and something stupid or it's like I, and I'm just I'm just like fuck stupid dumb don't care don't care don't care and sometimes I catch myself I'm just like why do I even consider myself a video games fan when like half the shit I see is just like ah uh, don't care so dumb so trite so unoriginal like literally who cares like Stop watching this video and just be patient for when the game comes out. That's how I feel about so much of this stuff. So I kind of, I kind of relate. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the game, in in my defense, in your defense, Mojo, the games industry kind of sucks, or at least from a media perspective, it kind of fucking sucks. Like, there's a reason why, you know. Like, listen, I always loved IGN. I, it was my dream to work at IGN at one point in my life. I, I, I read IGN religiously from the time I was a young kid up until. A couple years ago, I still follow IGN. I still use them for the show all the time, but I, I don't follow them nearly as close as I used to. I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. And it's not just IGN; it's all of them. In fact, IGN's not even nearly the worst. Like, oh my god, you want to talk about fucking Kotaku? That website's literal garbage. Like, I, that's a website I will literally not even defend a single aspect of them. They they fucking suck. But it's just in games media in general, it's just so fucking lame. It's just all these websites that are so they're so like buddy buddy with the publishers which is you know it's fine it's not like this is real politics or anything it's just video game news to the point though where it's like it's so unoriginal it's just like all these people are just pawns for like press release information and all the coverage is the exact same and like every one of these fucking podcasts i feel like just talk about the same news story in the same exact manner make the same fucking points it's not even about like find the find the mainstream video game podcast that you like the opinions of it's like find the personality in the voice you like the best because the news and the interpretation is going to be the fucking same no matter which one you pick but just pick like the guy you like the person with like the nicer voice or whatever you know so it, it just it has gotten to that point with video games media that i'm just like eh. Nine, nine out of ten things I, I see, I'm just like, stupid, dumb, whatever. Like, to the point where, like, really the only video game stuff I look forward to looking at, you know, other than, like, me playing a video game, the only video game content, quote-unquote, I look forward to is, like, the independent creators because the YouTubers are fun. Like, YouTube's cool. It's like, you either sink or swim. You're either good at making interesting content and people like you or you're bad at it and no one fucking follows you and you and you quit. And that's like it's it's so cool that way because it's like, you know, there are plenty of YouTubers out there who are like they have good relationships with publishers and they do sponsored shit, but you can just ignore those guys. And then there's a bunch of YouTubers who are out there actually making interesting content and funny videos and have unique insight and opinions on things. I'm 
I, I find myself way more drawn to the commentary and the opinions and the stuff out there on the internet where it's not necessarily like game, like late breaking news about a video game, but rather it's just like interesting commentary and insight. Like that, I find that so much more fulfilling. Like when when a new game gets like Far Cry Six, I've I've hyped up Far Cry Six zero percent on this fucking podcast. If anything, I've been a little critical of it, but I'll tell you this internally, like to myself, Far Cry Six is a game I will absolutely play. I am definitely interested in playing. I'm very I'm definitely excited to play it. I enjoy Far Cry games. Every time one of them comes out, I play it. I almost always like it. Far Cry Six is a no brainer for me. But I'm not on this podcast every day hyping it up and talking about why it's great and all the preview coverage in the first 10 minutes because it's like, who gives a shit, man? Like, I played Far Cry 3 and 4 and 5 and the spinoffs. It's like, I know what to expect. For the Like, 90% of Far Cry 6 is going to be like other Far Cry games I've played, and that's totally cool. But, like, why do we got to just, like, watch the same gameplay demo, have the same commentary, try to hype it up in the same manner when it's like, let's just let's just calm the fuck down. And when the game gets here, we can talk about it then. And in the meantime, we can just talk about something else. But, yeah, I'm with you, Mojo. I feel like you and I, a lot of this, like, eye-to-eye stuff on the on the just the, the constant eye roll of the shit being served on the Internet as, like, games coverage content. It's just, it's not fun. And that's that's where my criticism of people... Like Paris comes from, it's not him as an individual, but it's like it's like his brand of of influence and of content. It's just like, yeah, you just you're like you're like a walking, talking press release. It's like that's fine. I'm sure outside of that, you are a real human with your own personality and you know your own whatever. But like when you get on the camera, it's like, ah, yeah, I, I see the I see the press release from Microsoft just walking and talking. And uh, in selling Microsoft Flight Simulator, a game that's been out for a year. Anyway, whatever. Mr. Miggy, on the other hand, a little more optimistic than either of us, Mojo. I think a little more, a little more chipper, a little nicer. Now, I do like EVs, especially Teslas. That's not relevant, except when it comes to repairability and touch interface. Okay, Mr. Miggy, we will talk about cars again another time, but we're <laughs> we got to stay on track here. Even though I skipped watching E3 and Gamescom because I'm setting my expectations low, I do like Paris on the kind of funny X cast. He has a lot of personality and great discussions there. See, uh, so I thought I thought you had more to say about games coverage in general. I didn't realize that comment was so sweet and simple, or that the rest of it was mostly just about food and cars. Which hey, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. But anyway. I see that's that's the other thing. Like I I listen, I can't speak ill of this guy. I don't you know, I don't know him. I, I've never listened to none of that podcast. I can't speak to it. But Mr. Miggy over here just being a little more chipper, a little more positive. You know, if I hey, he he's saying, Hey, if I don't, you know, set my expectations low, I'm not gonna bother myself with these things that may or may not disappoint me. Just gonna focus on the stuff I like. Meanwhile, I'm over here like I get on YouTube and I get angry because I don't see all the stuff I want to see. I see the stuff I don't want to see. Can't we all be a little bit more like Mr. Miggy? And I don't know if any of you guys know this, but Mr. Miggy's profile picture is an Xbox Series X, but the Xbox Series X looks like SpongeBob. Next, we got some chicken talk. Wow, that was so much incoherency already in this week's episode. Let's uh, let's let's pick up the pace and get through these comments so we can get to like the real shit chicken talk madness man wrote in and says let's let me give you my thoughts on the sudden controversial raising canes it's a damn fine chicken strip first and foremost their menu literally consists of four items chicken strips with cane sauce french fries of the crinkle cut variety coleslaw and toast my only gripe of this place would be you must eat it there do not i repeat do not Get this to go. Their to-go containers tend to steam the food, leaving the crunchy tenders and fries a soggy mess. Now, hold on to that. Sam A. wrote in, 
Hi, Sammy. Well, fun fact. Zaxby's ripped off the restaurant chain named Guthrie's. That's related. So, you're telling me there's a restaurant chain called Guthrie's that Zaxby's ripped off, but Zaxby's is a main competitor to another chain that's predominantly in the Northeast called Raising Cane's. Mazman says Raising Cane's chicken is super good, but you gotta eat it there. You can't get it to go, otherwise it gets soggy in the to-go container, and that their menu is bare bones as hell, but it is fine and good and worth the trip. Oh, you didn't say worth the trip, but I assume you do. I assume you feel that way. Now, with all this information, you can only expect that I got to do some investigative work. So stay tuned to youtube.com slash lightning extreme for future developments on this. But more importantly for now, this Raising Cane stuff has me super interested because I've being from the South, I've had Zaxby's many a time. Now, I've never had Guthrie's, which is silly because it looks like they're pretty, uh, pretty much where I'm pretty much from my general part of the map. So that's silly. I've never even heard of them, but I looked them up and yeah, they look like they look like a a mom pop version of Zaxby's basically. But Zaxby's has a similar raising canes controversy where if you take Zaxby's and and their fries are also crinkle cut, I do believe, if you take Zaxby's food to go in those styrofoam containers, you're a fucking idiot. I remember I as a kid I never knew what Zaxby's was. I always assumed it was a, a seafood restaurant because I guess I'm stupid and I thought the chicken sign was a pelican standing on a, on a dock. I always figured it was like a fish and chips joint. So when I when I got older and I found out that Zaxby's was a chicken restaurant, I begged my dad to take me because I really wanted to try. I was like, we've never had it. Let's fucking try it. Let's be adventurous. Let's do something new. Is that that's probably when I learned that I was an adventurous eater and I wanted to go out there and explore the culinary world. But anyway, so the first time I got Zaxby's, I had an awful experience because I didn't know what to order. So I got this chicken sandwich with fries, but we got it in the drive-thru and we took it home. And I remember being like, this chicken sandwich is pretty good. This chicken in particular is pretty good. These fries fucking suck. Everything's like cold and wet and soggy. And so I learned very early on with Zaxby's, you don't take that shit to go. You sit down the goddamn restaurant. I don't give a shit what's happening. I don't care if you're on the way to a dentist appointment or if your boss is about to fire you because you've been late to work too many times or whatever it is. You know, you got a court date. I don't care. If you're stopping for Zaxby's, you're stopping for Zaxby's. You're not drive through and go. You are going into the restaurant, ordering at the counter, taking a seat, and eating that chicken until the last bite. So, sounds like, although I haven't had Raisin Cane's, it sounds like through my experience with Zaxby's, I've more or less had the experience. You know, their version of the chicken might taste a little different, but the concept is not new to me. Mavs man, Sam A., thank you for providing further context. Now, keeping with food and do, my brother wrote in again and says, is this a hot take? I really think Cheesecake Factory is probably the most overrated restaurant of all time. It's just so damn mediocre. I don't want to cause a big thing in the comments, but since this is an Xbox podcast, I felt obligated to bring it up. Well, well, little brother, here, here's the thing is, I I don't think this is a controversial take at all. Cheesecake Factory, I think I think everyone kind of unanimously, unanimously feels this way about Cheesecake Factory. It is a beautiful restaurant, really fun looking, really fun to be inside of. Really, like the novelty is while their menu is oversized and just huge and full of so much fucking stuff. But the food is always like, average at best the food is like 
mediocre to average. You can get anything you want. You can get fried mac and cheese bites. You can get salad. You can get a fish dinner. You can get a steak. You can get a cheeseburger. You can get Alfredo pasta. Whatever it is you're thinking of, they just got it on the menu because they're fucking crazy over at the Cheesecake Factory. That That, that is a restaurant run by mad scientists. Many of those people would go on to commit war crimes if you let them outside the kitchen. That's why they are left to stay in the Cheesecake Factory kitchen, forced to continue to add to the ever-growing menus because if they are left to their own devices, they will cause evil. They will cause destruction. So the menu continues to grow larger. The food continues to be mediocre, but the evil scientists stay at bay. That's the whole purpose of the Cheesecake Factory. We get that. But the Cheesecake Factory is a fun-looking restaurant. It is a fun environment. And beyond the mediocre food, like menu food, like apps, entrees, the dessert, the cheesecake, the namesake of the restaurant, it's good. The cheesecake's good. Now, Cronky, Josiah, brother, whatever I refer to you as on this podcast, if I remember correctly, you're not a cheesecake person. But for those of us like myself who are cultured, who have experience, who know right from wrong, who understand good, we know that cheesecake is of the higher echelon of desserts and that Cheesecake Factory makes some of the best cheesecake. So therefore, everything else is worth it. The mediocre food, the overpriced nature of it all, the crazy scientists in the kitchen, all of that is worth it for the cheesecake. You eat the entree, you eat the appetizer, you pay, you overpay, you go through the motions of the restaurant because you know at the end of the, at the end of it all, there's a good cheesecake for you. Honestly, they I think Cheesecake Factory might as well be called TGI Fridays. More so than TGI Fridays. Because TGI Fridays is good. Great drinks, great appetizers, great entrees, great desserts, great place. Love it. TGI Fridays, A plus, probably S tier restaurant. Go take your family there. You won't regret it. But Cheesecake Factory. It's kind of like TGI, like the name TGI Fridays, because what is the work week? You know, you go to work on Monday and then your, your weekend starts Friday night and then all day Saturday, Sunday, right? So Cheesecake Factory is like, is like the work week. It's like you get there. Ah, it's Monday. Here we are at Cheesecake Factory. Oh, fuck it. You get sat down. Your server brings you some water. You get the menus. You're looking it over. That's Monday. All right. Then you get some appetizers, and they're kind of mediocre and shitty, and you're not crazy about it. Maybe even a drink that's overpriced and shitty. But hey, that's Tuesday. Now your manager's like, all right, or your manager. Now your server's like, you guys ready for some entrees? You get the entrees, and oh, surprise, surprise, they're shitty as well. But hey, you're halfway to victory, right? That's called hump day. It's Wednesday. All right, well. You know, now you're mulling over, you're digesting, you're thinking about some desserts, you're getting close to the end, you can feel that the check's about to hit the table, you're almost out of here, that's Thursday, baby, it's, hey, it's almost Friday, but then, just when you least expect it, TG motherfucking I, it's Fridays, because your server comes to the table with your cheesecake, and then everything's worth it. Friday night rolls, you know, Friday rolls around, the whole work week melts away, because, hey, we're here, we made it, TGIF. So that's my argument as to why they should rename Cheesecake Factory TGI Fridays an Xbox podcast. Oh, and Lethal Migraine says every single Mountain Dew is a mess. Uh, formaldehyde tastes better. So, uh, and the Mavs man responded to that and said, you, sir, are banned. Um, I will allow that. Lethal Migraine, you are banned. But I do, I do still expect you to respond to uh, Megan's comments earlier because we, we got to figure that shit out. But yeah, you're banned. That's a stupid comment. Uh, dumb comment. Mountain Dew's good. Be a good boy, Lethal Migraine. And let's round out this week's comment comments with final word from one Mr. Sam Torres. Told you guys it's a it's a it's a, me- it's a mess of a week because it was a slow news week, so I went heavier on the comments than usual. 
Uh, but then the news ended up kind of coming in the last minute, so now it's just a long news week. Whatever. Whatever. You either like it or you don't. If you it, it, Listen, if I'm talking too much about other shit you don't want to hear, guess what? There's a million other Xbox podcasts. But if you want to be here, if you want to be cool, you're going to listen to me talk about the Cheesecake Factory for an hour before we get to the Xbox news. That's just the way it goes. Sam Torres, take it away. He says, Jesse, kudos on your badass never-say-die have to get the podcast out regardless of regardless if Immortan Joe is going to ram his rotting apocalyptic trouser snake into your recording equipment. Sam, your writing is impeccable, and I never understand what you're saying, but there, <laughs> that's the start. Go, get the bullets. Gamescom made me realize the best reveals don't include people on super lighted stages or cyberpunk spokesmodels. They needed Jesse D coming to us from your desk in whatever state in your underwear putting this Gamescom thing into perspective. It's 20 fucking years. It's 20 fucking years. Do the Xbox people who've clung to this brand for two decades need flight sim news maverick dlc no they could have paid tom cruise to show up and stroke me on a 40 year old plane i can fly over google google maps am i going to get am i going to get uh shoot any am i going to get to shoot anything show me some big news crimson skies 2 throw me a throw me a mech assault 2022 2022 reboot dude i have hardly watched this show and was barely interested by the end game pass is still great but they need to get some of those working titles, gameplay footage, and fancy montages. Fable, no show. Avowed, no show. State of Decay 3, you show me State of Decay 1.5. Contraband, holy stink balls, no show. I could go for less celebrity and more transparency. Great show. Don't buy that COD WNLM, which means we need legal money. It'll be <laughs> it'll be included in Game Pass by February. World War II versus Cosby Room DLC. Uh, okay, that, that's actually really funny in the end there, but um, I, I I think you're joking, but there's no way Call of Duty is coming to Game Pass. The amount of money Microsoft would have to shell out for Call of Duty to come to Game Pass would probably eclipse like the budget of Halo Infinite, which is like notoriously like the biggest budget of any video game. So I I don't think there's ever going to be a Call of Duty that comes to Game Pass. I I might eat those words. You know, they say never say never. At least that's what my my boy Justin B told me a long time ago. But I don't think, you know, there's a reason why every Call of Duty game is still fucking full price a billion years later. It's because Activision's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? We own the biggest franchise in gaming. Fuck you. Pay 60 bucks. We're 70 now. Uh, I got no commentary to that one, Sam. I just like your long stream of conscious comments. They are well-worded. They're interesting. They're sometimes hard for me to interpret because I'm dumb, but they are always welcome and they are always funny. Yes, we've beaten the dead horse now, so we will wrap it up. Gamescom was bad. Microsoft has done better. They've shown that they can improve and do better at showings. So there was really no excuse for why they did this presentation. It was really bad. It was really mediocre. It was for absolutely no one and it wasted all of our time. But the good news is... That's not usually the case. This is an exception, not the rule. Microsoft usually is pretty good at their press conferences. And hey, Halo Infinite's coming out December 8th, so who really gives a shit what else is happening in the world? Anyway, Lethal Migraine, as a side note, says, I want to learn stick shift, Sam. Teach me. So, Sam, will you teach Lethal Migraine how to drive stick shift? Now, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, and whatnot for this week. Remember, if you want to write it next next week, don't don't be shy. Reply. I didn't even start out properly. I was supposed to tell you how to comment. You go over YouTube.com. You look up Xbox on podcast because second best gaming is no more. You go to the, you go to the, the channel there, and that's it's only this podcast. It's all that's on there. Leave a comment on the latest episode. I'll read you there. 
But if you don't do that, you'll never be read. And then no one's going to know you exist. You know, Megan leaving these porno comments. No one knew about Megan. For all we know, Megan's been here since day one. But we just now found out about Megan. Be like Megan. Leave a comment. Don't be shy. Reply. Now let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. Just realized... I left this section blank on my notes. So, thinking on the fly. Guys, it is officially September. The Halloween season is upon us. It is my favorite time of the year. Uh, I, I pretend it's fall weather because we don't actually get fall here in Central Florida. But, you know, it does. the, the heat starts to tone down a, a little bit. And, you know, the theme parks, which are the big thing around where I live, get all Halloweened up and everything gets a little Halloweeny. And a lot of the tourists, you know, when it's not COVID, a lot of the tourists start to go back to their states or their countries and, and their vacations kind of simmer down. So there is, even though it's not a change in the color of the leaves, there is a change in the tone, you know. All the theme parks turn to spooky time and all the tourists go bye-bye. There is a notable change from summer to fall here in Florida. It's just not the change you're used to seeing up there where you guys have like um, more than one season. Um, so here we are. It's Halloween time. It's exciting. You know, 2021, I think we can all agree, is significantly improved over 2020 just in terms of, you know, our ability to live our normal lives. So in a lot of ways, there's a lot of pent-up demand for some Halloween because last year there wasn't a lot of Halloween. No one was trick-or-treating. No one was going to the, the spooky haunted houses. Nothing was happening. We were all just wearing masks in our bathtubs and, and listening to Anya and uh, lighting candles. It was very sad. And this year, you know, we gotta get we got to be careful. We're still wearing masks. But for the most part, you know, we're going back to the haunted houses. Kids are probably going to be trick-or-treating in some form or fashion. You know, some people are going to be doing Halloween parties. It's nice. You know, things are things are going back to normal. So, Jesse, this is what you've been eating. Why the fuck are you talking about Halloween? Shut up. I'm getting there, fucking dolt. So, Mountain Dew, the good folks at Mountain Dew, when they're not busy releasing flavors that you can't pre-order because their website's shit, uh, released this annualized flavor called Voodoo. Now, Voodoo began in 2019 as a little bit of backstory for you guys, Voodoo is not the first time Mountain Dew has done a Halloween flavor. In fact, in fact, in the early 2000s, there was Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Some of you may remember this. Mountain Dew Pitch Black was released, I think it was the 2001 Halloween season, don't quote me on that, but it was around that time. And they did it for like two years, and then it went away forever, and then in like 2011 or 2010 or 2011, they brought Mountain Dew Pitch Black, Pitch Black back. Uh, now, this is a great Mountain Dew flavor, and they brought it back in like 2010, and then again in 2011. They, for two or three years, they brought it back again, although I, they, they stopped associating it with Halloween. They just did it as its own great Mountain Dew flavor. Usually, it would release around like late spring or summer. So, that is the history, the brief history of Mountain Dew Halloween flavors. Now, starting in 2019, Mountain Dew said, let's kick it up a notch. Let's do Halloween for real, and they introduced Mountain Dew Voodoo. It is that really cool Mountain Dew you may have seen with like the Grim Reaper on it. It's like a white Mountain Dew. Now, I love Voodoo because it's always a twist or a build off of Mountain Dew Whiteout, my favorite Mountain Dew flavor. But the, the, the fun thing about Voodoo is every year they do it, it's a different mystery flavor. They never say what it is. It's a mystery flavor. But it's always something kind of Halloween related or it's at least supposed to. So I, I think the gist, what they're going for is every year it tastes like some kind of candy you might get at, at Halloween time. So like... This is, this is the confusing thing is I loved it the first two years, 2019, 2020. I thought Voodoo was phenomenal. To me, it kind of tasted like Mountain Dew Whiteout with a hint of orange creamsicle, which was fantastic. And then people swore that the second year they did it, it was a completely different flavor. But to me and my unsophisticated palate, it tasted largely the same. Now, here we are. Fast forward to today. 
Halloween season, Mountain Dew Voodoo has made its return for the 2021 year. Season, calendar, whatever. Fuck you. And this time, the flavor is different, and it is notable. It definitely doesn't taste like whiteout with orange creamsicle. Now, it tastes like Smarties. Now, I'm talking about U.S. Smarties. I know you guys in Canada, and I believe in the U.K., you guys have, like, your your Smarties are, like, chocolate-covered. Not here in America. In the U.S. of A., Smarties are just the hard powdered fruit sugary snacks. They're fucking awful. I didn't like them when I was a kid. I don't like them now. They're fucking awful. And the new Mountain Dew Voodoo this year is incredibly disappointing. It tastes like Smarties. Uh, Another thing to compare it to, it tastes like Pixie Stick. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. Those are those, literally, they're just like tubes of sugar. You can get them in like the little paper tubes. Sometimes like uh, movie theaters or cinemas will sell them at the concession stand. You can get like the plastic tube and then like fill it up with your different colored sugars. Sometimes like theme parks will have them at like the candy store. I know like Six Flags always had them and stuff growing up. Uh, I think even Disney used to have them. But anyway, that's what it tastes like. It tastes like Mountain Dew with a, not a hint, a strong twist of like, Smarties or powdered sugar or pixie dust or whatever the fuck it's called. And it's awful. It's really bad. And the reason why this breaks my heart is because, one, I love Halloween. So love Halloween, love Mountain Dew. That should be a match made in heaven. And it used to be, but right now it isn't. The second reason why it sucks is because Voodoo consistently has the coolest fucking Mountain Dew can art. Mountain Dew always has cool can art, but Voodoo tops it. Voodoo has the coolest fucking art of any Mountain Dew flavor. But, man, the flavor sucks this year. It's not It's not like a disappointment. It's not a step down. It just straight up sucks. I tried it cold. I tried it room temp. I've tried it with food. I've tried it without food. It sucks. And the reason why I'm really kicking myself is because I usually stock up on these things because Mountain Dew flavors are so here and gone that I always feel like I need to stock up at first in case I don't see it again. So I bought two 12-packs of this fucking thing, and I don't even want to drink a single can. So, got to figure out what to do with that. But that's what I've been eating. As for what I've been playing, guys, Psychonauts. Now, Psychonauts 2 is out. My plan was to pound through the first one and get to the sequel, but what I found is I hit this wall. Psychonauts is definitely a product of its time. It is a good game. When I'm getting through it, I'm enjoying it. When I'm like actually making progress in the game, I'm like, this game is really good and really holds up after all these years. But when the game stops me, it just shows its age and it pisses me off. There are so many moments where it's like, oh, I'm halfway through this level and I can't figure out what to do. Let me look this up online. I look it up online. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to have this item to eliminate cobwebs. I never knew about this item. Oh, well, I got to go back into the main world, quit the level. I got to go buy it. Okay. Oh, wait. It costs 800 of this currency to buy it, but I got to buy this other thing to find the currency. And then I have to dick around and do all this monotonous bullshit to find the currency to buy the item to go back into the level to finish the level. It's like, what the fuck is this? And so this game has so much of that like artificial lengthening of the of the runtime for like no purpose whatsoever. It adds no fun to the game. It adds nothing in terms of depth to the characters or the story. It's just stupid and boring. And this game has a lot of that. It's like you gotta level up this and collect this much of this to get this ability to be eligible to learn this new power to use in this level. So you gotta leave that level, go back to this. I feel like Banjo Kazooie used to have things kind of like this. And this was always my turnoff to Banjo Kazooie. It's like I want my 3D platformer to be straightforward. I want to be like Mario. Just be like, hey, jump into the fucking level, play the level, get out of the level. Every level will have new concepts and new ideas to play with, and throughout the game you'll unlock shit that will help you in later levels, but we're not going to do any of this, like, backtracking, unlock this, collect this to get that kind of bullshit. Like, collectibles on a platformer should purely be for completionist reasons, not for 
functional purposes. And this is what's driving me nuts about Psychonauts. Is I, it, my brother was right. As you get further into the game, it gets better and better. Like the writing gets better, the story gets better, the worlds get like cooler and crazier. There's some really cool shit. Like the Milkman level. Now that I'm through it. I, I get why people talk about the Milkman level in Psychonauts. It is legendary. It is fucking awesome. It is very, very good. But I feel like every time I start to really start enjoying the game, the game pulls me out by doing some bullshit. Like, oh, you got to go collect more of this to be a higher level to get this ability so you can go back into this level and complete it. It's like, just let me play the fucking level. So I got slowed down in Psychonauts. That really turned me off to the point where I, I didn't play it as much this week as I thought I would. I ended up just playing some like fucking... Call of Duty because I was in the mood for Black Ops a little bit this weekend. And so I'm still working on Psychonauts 1. I'm really hoping, though, when I get to Psychonauts 2, what I learn is that the new game is a lot more 21st century, <laughs> you know, or like 2010s and beyond kind of 3D platformer mentality of like a little more linear, a little more keeping the pacing going. So hopefully that's the case. But uh, yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on Psychonauts. A little let down in that regard, but now I'm up against this other problem where I still want to play Psychonauts. I'm still trying to get through it, but Sonic Colors Ultimate comes out this Friday, and that's like my most anticipated... That's, that's literally my most anticipated game other than Halo. So it's going to be difficult because I'm going to just want to play Sonic, but I also need to get through Psychonauts. So good thing we have a three-day weekend coming up here. There's a U.S. holiday this Monday, so maybe I'll get to it a little bit. I, I doubt it. I never do, but who knows? We'll see. Now, that's it for all of that shit. Now that we're three hours into the podcast, I say we jump into the news. What do you think? Oh, you wanted Xbox news on your Xbox podcast? Okay. So we we only have a handful of stories this week, but I think it's interesting stuff. It's mostly interesting. It's not like a slow news week with boring tidbits. It's like interesting shit. All right. Starting off, we got one coming from... Starting off with the big one, Video Games Chronicle reports. This year's Tokyo Game Show will include some exclusive news from Xbox. Exclusive news in quotes. The four-day event, which takes place from September 30th to October 3rd, will include 44 presentations, but Xbox has a 50-minute presentation planned on September 30th at 6 p.m. Japanese Standard Time, which for those who uh, need to know, that's like 5 in the morning here. All right. Listed as the Xbox Tokyo Game Show Showcase, 2021 the event pro- long long title the event promises new announcements related to japanese gaming market so it reads quote jump in and join xbox as we bring our gaming ecosystem to the our gaming ecosystem gaming to the world the event describes we have some exclusive news and content to share at tokyo game show 2021 and that is our state it's japanese to english so it's a little funky reading uh, anyway this is the second year Xbox has held a Tokyo Game Show event. Last year, they announced a flight simulator content related to Japan and discussed Series X and S plans for the country. The presentation will be the latest part of Xbox's attempt to make an impact in Japan, something they've struggled to do in the 20 years of the brand's existence. Now, last year, Phil Spencer said that the platform's market position in Japan was not in an acceptable position and that he pledged to do a much better job. With the Series X launching in that region, now, Series X and S did launch in Japan in a much better state than previous Xbox hardware, but still it's not saying too too much because previous generations performed abysmally in japan particularly the xbox one but you know as part of the acquisition of bethesda uh this this past year microsoft also acquired tokyo game tokyo studio tango gameworks the creators behind evil within and in that move phil spencer said that was a great step towards achieving xbox's ambitions in japan although i think that's a little bit of like a happy coincidence they got that team when they bought bethesda there's no way in hell microsoft bought bethesda with Tango Gameworks being a main reason. 
I, I doubt it. Now, Phil Spencer was quoted saying, I've talked for a long time about our desire to have more of a first-party presence in Japan. This is a great first step here, thinking about the map of where these teams are and talking about all the games they've worked on. I can't wait to speak to Tango and to get to know them. Microsoft has also been courting Japanese indie developers in their continued uh, hope of helping Xbox find a foothold in the Japanese market. In June, Xbox's business lead for Asia, Jeremy Hinton, told IGN Japan, Recently, we've been connecting with more and more Japanese indie devs, and they, and we've never seen so many Japanese indie developers with our development kits before. Quote, the indie scene in Japan is growing, and we are paying close attention. Hinton noted that the Japanese market is important to Xbox, and that despite the platform holder's continued failure in seeing sizable sales in the region, he sees its decision to supply Series X and S consoles in Japan during a time of limited stock as a justified one, saying, quote, at Xbox, we not only look at the markets that are already successful, but also markets that are still growing, and it's clear that Japan is a market that we cannot ignore. Japan is currently the largest and fastest growing market in the world, with particularly strong growth in the last 12 months. I find that hard to believe. And in what context is that true? Elsewhere in the interview, Hinton stated that Xbox plans to localize all first-party games for Japan going forward, and revealed that the company feels the Series S will be more of the demand because it's seen in a lot. Of, it's seen a lot of Japanese users on Twitter tweeting about how cute and compact the console is. I think there's a decent amount to unpack here because obviously the event is big news in and of itself, but also there's a lot of like little notes here, like talking about how Series S is the more popular one in Japan. That doesn't surprise me. Japan is a country that, I mean, generally they just prefer smaller, more compact things, the larger everything, the larger phone, larger truck, larger, all that stuff. That's a very Western, specifically American kind of sensibility. Uh, Japan's always been more about the more compact, more small size things. So the Series S being the more popular one of the two Xbox consoles, at least anecdotally, not surprising at all, especially when you consider it's a country where people have smaller living spaces, uh, just less, less. they're a little more mobile than we are. Something more compact and easy to tear up and take down like a Series S is just more appealing. Plus, in a market like Japan where, you know, Xbox is probably a secondary thing for a lot of people, you know, the main hard, gaming hardware is, is your, your Nintendo Switch or your phone or your PC or something you know, Xbox, you're not going to buy the more expensive one when there's a cheaper alternative that plays the same game. So I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Now, this whole anecdote about Japan being the fastest growing market in the world uh, for video games, at least in the tw past 12 months, that I call bullshit on that. I, I feel like there's a specific metric in which they're looking at that that makes that true for them because when you think about growing markets, I mean, China is a super fast growing market as as they start to allow more and more gaming like things in their country. Although this is a bad week to make that statement because the Chinese Communist Party literally just announced that they're limiting the number of hours that kids can like that kids can play video games. So <laughs> but anyway, I mean, there's just other markets that are like super fast growing. So I just find it hard to believe that. Japan. We also know Xbox is trying hard to get in in Korea as well. Now, I think that's that's an important. The other the other thing is localizing more of their first party content in in Japan is a a huge positive step in making this content more accessible to the Japanese market. I think that's awesome. Xbox needs to work on their localizing. We saw, saw people complaining earlier this week about how um, Psychonauts Two wasn't localized in Korea because Double Fine literally ran out of money to do it. And we, you know, we just see things like this, and it's like, okay, well, you, you can't talk about wanting to aggressively expand and then also not give money and resources to these really important things like localizing your game for this region. Like, I mean, how many, 
I, I choose to play Yakuza in Japanese because I'm a fucking weeb, but, like, how many of you out here would be, like, voluntarily, like, playing cyberpunk in a different language or, or Yakuza in a different language or fucking, what's another game that's not developed by an American team? There are only a billion of them. <laughs> you know, playing PUBG in a different language or something like that. You know, it's like, no, you're going to, no, you're going to, you're going to choose to play it in a language that you speak if you can, nine times out of ten. So this is a huge step in helping make these things more accessible to gamers. And then lastly, the thing about the indie games, uh, indie devs, this is a, a good one to me because w- what we see a lot of right now in Japan, this is where PlayStation becomes important to the conversation. What we see a lot of in Japan right now is Nintendo Switch is murdering in Japan. It is doing so incredibly well. And that makes sense. The Japanese market likes mobile gaming. They like smaller, compact ways to game. It's it's a one-size-fits-all. It's this little tiny dock that sits at your entertainment center, and you can plop it in, then you have a nice console gaming experience. But then when you're commuting on the train or out and about because you live in Tokyo and you're a fucking awesome Tokyo guy with access to amazing food in a beautiful country you go you go running around with a nintendo switch in your hands and then you got it on the go so it makes sense nintendo switch is a huge device plus nintendo japanese company lots of japanese ip and brands that have been huge and synonymous with japan for many many years so it makes sense you know Um, actually games like zelda and metroid have traditionally been more popular in the west but you know the japanese market likes pokemon they like mario they like Kirby, they like they like these Nintendo uh, properties that you know. What's that one? Fire Emblem. These kinds of games. These are popular in Japan. Splatoon. These are popular games in Japan. So these things make sense. Now Xbox ha- is up against a lie here because not only is mobile gaming massive, not only is PC gaming largely established, not only is Nintendo incredibly popular when it comes to buying dedicated gaming hardware, but Xbox's biggest rival or mo- closest and associated kind of like product. Its closest associated product would be PlayStation. PlayStation, also a Japanese you know, brand, is actually shrinking and shrinking in Japan. So what we're seeing here is Xbox trying to be more aggressive than ever before about growing in Japan in a time where Sony, PlayStation, a Japanese brand, a Japanese company, is shrinking and having a harder time keeping a foothold in their own home country, uh, losing out to things like the Nintendo Switch and mobile gaming. So I find this really interesting, and that's why investing in indie devs in Japan is actually a really smart idea, if you ask me, because, listen, companies like Squaresoft and Capcom and Konami and all these Japanese developers and publishers, a lot of these people have really long-standing relationships with either Sony or Nintendo. It's always been that way. We've seen Square Enix do some nice things with Microsoft. We've seen Capcom do some nice things with Microsoft. But generally speaking, these guys are in bed with PlayStation or Nintendo. It's always how it's been. It's probably not going to change anytime soon. So it stands to reason that it would be really fucking smart for Microsoft to try really hard to get there on ground zero. Help, Help find these amazing Japanese indie games that are unheard of, underfunded, you know, just little projects that may or may not be able to happen without the support of a company like Microsoft and go and invest in these teams. Be like, hey, we will fund your game if you bring it to Xbox, if you bring it to Game Pass, if you make it a thing. And then who knows? You might get your next Among Us. We might get the next uh, Fall Guys or something like that from some Japanese indie developer. And if that's an Xbox game and, you know, we see a situation where Xbox can help bring a indie dev from... A, a status of not having a name for themselves or money to create their project to 
becoming the next, you know, fucking Among Us or something like that, then, hey, that's a huge deal because it brings, first of all, it, it, it helps serve the much-needed gap in the indie ecosystem, which is there are just not enough Japanese indie devs, which is weird because gaming owes so much of its history to Japan, yet over over the years, Japan's had less and less of an influence in the game's market, at least from the perspective of Japanese gaming, of Japanese video games. So that's a huge reason. And then the second thing is that it's a whole market of untapped potential. When you look at the biggest games coming out of the indie scene, it's usually from like American or European or Canadian developers or something like that, usually. And to tap into that market and find the Japanese talent is a huge, huge potential because the indie scene is always, I mean, another, another way to look at this is the indie scene is always where we see the most creativity. So you think about like, what's the next trend in gaming? Chances are you're not going to get it from Activision. You're not going to get it from EA. These are the guys who have the big budget games and they're always going to do the safe thing. They're going to make sequels. They're going to make stuff that are known quantities. The indie space is usually where we see the unique ideas. And so if you can be Microsoft and, and help find these unique ideas, these unique games, and fund them and bring them to your console and your platforms exclusively and bring them to the world and share them and help them get brought to life, that helps diversify the Xbox portfolio. It helps incentivize people to subscribe to Game Pass. It helps grow the Japanese game development scene, which has been dwindling in recent years and overall it helps give you a huge upper hand advantage over someone like sony who have largely basically just walked away from the indie scene sony used to be largely in bed with indie developers back in the ps3 days and to some extent the early ps4 days but have since more or less abandoned indie developers so indie developers talk about this all the time they talk about how xbox is way easier and way better to work with than sony you know if you're an indie developer Getting your game noticed, especially if it's on the PlayStation Store, is basically impossible. It's, it's a waste of your fucking time. And a lot of people jumped to Nintendo Switch. Now, that's becoming a separate problem. When Switch first came out, it was immediately like this safe haven for indie devs. But now it's become a thing where Switch is so popular and there's so many games coming to Switch that it's getting harder and harder to get found on Switch. So I think Xbox is the perfect platform. This is a platform where has relatively, you know, there's tons of games come to Xbox all the fucking time. But relative to Switch fewer games at least from the indie devs relative to playstation you know less there's less attention there's fewer games at least it seemingly is the case so if you can help introduce the world to the next the next fucking fall guys the next PUBG, the next whatever the big thing's gonna be right and it's funded by xbox it's exclusive on um uh, on game pass platforms and it's from a new creative japanese developer that's a really 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 potentially huge way to evolve the market and so i think investing in japanese indie devs is a really smart idea now we don't know how aggressive uh, xbox is being about this we don't know what kind of things they, they found I, I will say this usually usually you guys are gonna get mad i know there's gonna be some people get mad at me for saying this usually i think sony at least from a historical perspective has done a much better job of finding like indie darlings and helping bring them to light compared to, like, Xbox. Xbox used to be good at this. Remember, we, the Shadow Complex days and, and, and like, um, you know, the old, like, Xbox arcade days with, like, Braid and shit like that. There have been exceptions, you know, um, inside things like games like that. So y Xbox has examples of that. But usually the indie darlings are, are generally found on, like, 
Steam or PlayStation or something like that. So all the more reason for Xbox to get aggressive about this because not only is Xbox already kind of seen from a developer's perspective as the easier to work with, the more friendly to indie devs kind of platform, but also this is an awesome opportunity for Xbox to be like, yeah, we can really help grow our our platform, our diversity and our and our in our catalog and help just carve ourselves into a new market that isn't as tapped um, by really trying to get in bed from an early stamp from an early stage with these these devs. Now, all of that out of the way, remember this story was actually about Xbox coming to Gamescom. So this is the part what is there to say? We just got off of a massive E3 presentation in June, a super disappointing waste of our time Gamescom presentation last week, and now we're being notified that in less than a month We've got another Xbox presentation, but this one is specifically for the Japanese market, but it is promising some exclusive news from Xbox. So that being said, you know, it's hard not to be curious and at least mildly excited because, hey, exclusive news, you know, Tokyo Game Show, what could that be? Is Xbox acquiring a Japanese developer or publisher? Is Xbox getting a exclusive Japanese second party game for their platform? What does Xbox have up their sleeve? What is happening here? But... I will say, in order to save myself from being a fucking hypocrite, based on the experience we had last week, and based on just the trend Xbox has been going in, set your expectations very low. You know, exclusive news could mean anything from like, here's some exclusive add-ons to Microsoft Flight Simulator just for the Japanese market. Okay, fuck off. No one cares. It could mean, hey, we found this... Uh, these these amazing indie developers in Japan, and, and we're bringing their games to Game Pass, and we're super excited to share a couple of them with you today. Okay, it could be, hey, we fucking bought Sega, and now Sonic the Hedgehog and Master Chief will both be at the Olympic Games together. Fuck you, Mario. I don't know. That could be awesome. We don't know. So let's set the bar extremely low. Let's just assume this is Flight Simulator DLC. This is like, oh, in Flight Simulator, you will be able to dress your plane up like Naruto. Uh, and that is the exclusive news. Thank you. Goodbye. Let's just assume that's the content, right? So that no one's disappointed when it's disappointing, okay? Let's just set that as the expectation. That being said, they're promising some exclusive news. At the very least, we're going to get something here. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But in the meantime, let's just pretend like nothing's happening. And that way, no one's hopes and dreams get dashed. And I'm, and I'm sorry if you hear some background noise. My cat is, uh, is kicking up some litter in her litter box that is close to my desk right now. She's not peeing. She's not going potty. She's just kicking around some litter, being cute, trying to get attention. So apologies if that's coming through on the mic. So that is our first and big story of the week. Now let's jump into some other ones. Next up, coming from Windows Central, we got some more bad news on Halo Infinite. So um, gamers beware, you're in for a scare. Now, from Windows Central, while responding to a fan on Twitter, 343 Industries Community Manager John, I always pronounce his last name wrong, John Junsek, confirmed that progressing the Halo Infinite Battle Pass will be limited to completing daily and weekly challenges, at least at launch. This means that these challenges will be the only source of gaining experience, or XP, that players need to rank up to unlock more rewards, and that players will no longer be awarded XP for completing matches, though it was noted that completing and winning challenges will be required uh, objectives for some challenges. John went on to note that the extremely limited supply of challenges players were able uh, to compete to complete during the first official beta test 
few weeks back were the result of a bug in that at launch it will be extremely difficult for players to run out of daily challenges to complete to complete for xp meaning that at the very least there'll always be ways to earn xp even if it's not the traditional way that you're used to uh, the tweet read in response to nick saying hey nick Playing and winning matches will be challenging in Halo Infinite, which will help players progress through the battle pass. Even though this means no per-match XP at launch, you're still always progressing through challenges. Now, based on early responses to this news, it seems like many fans are strongly upset about this. No surprise there. But of course, there's challenge swap and uh, consumables, so you can, you know, find challenges you like better to gain XP, but ultimately this is bug news, let's be honest. Halo Infinite, of course, is launching December 8th. So let's hope, especially based on the wording here, that this at launch means at some point they're going to add in traditional complete a match, gain XP. This is one of the... Oh, so this this is different. So Forge is delayed a couple months. Co-op is delayed a couple months. It's coming. You'll have it. It's what you want. But it's just not going to be here at launch. you got to wait a couple months. This is different. This is every fucking online shooting multiplayer game is you play the game, you get XP points, and then you level up. This one's not. This one is you play matches, you get nothing from it, but you work towards challenges, and once you finish those challenges, you get XP, and that levels up your battle pass, and that's how you can unlock shit. That's no good, because that just takes away the inherent fun and reason of making progress through just playing the game. Some people don't want to focus on challenges. A lot of times, I don't want to focus on challenges. I just want to play the game. I just want to focus on shooting enemies, getting XP, and grinding out matches. And that's all I want to do. Let me just complete my battle pass by playing. I get more kills. I get XP bonuses, whatever. I get more XP. I get more progress on my on my thing. But I don't want to have to play these little fucking challenges. Get seven headshots using uh, Microsoft's uh, Flight Simulator DLC packages. I don't want to do that, okay? So this is this is one of those, like, people are upset, and I think rightfully so. This is dumb. This is very, very dumb. This shouldn't have to be something that's like, oh, we won't have it at launch, but maybe sometime in the future. No. This is just dumb. This game needs standard XP gain from matching just like every other fucking shooter there's no excuse. This is one I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to give 343 the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not going to try to paint this any way other than this is really stupid. This is really short-sighted. And this takes away a lot of the easy access fun. You talk about Xbox, a brand that's all about inclusivity and accessibility and making everything way more attractive to a larger net of players, more so than ever before. This is exactly how you walk away from that when you talk about something as big as Halo, your most important franchise, and especially when it's the Halo game that's going to be free to play, so more people than ever before will have access to it because it's free to play, because it's also on PC, because it supports like three types of Xboxes out there. This is bad because now you're telling people, you got to work on challenges to get XP. Doesn't matter if you just want to play the game and have fun. It's not good enough for us. You got to complete the challenges. This is a bad move. I I don't know if this is so the thing I find hard to understand here though is cuz they keep saying like, well, at launch, this is how it's going to be. So what does that mean? It means like you're planning on adding this in, but it's just going to take some time to get this feature in there. You're not going to be able to make it for the launch version of the game. It's like this isn't like developing a new level and building new cutscenes and recording new dialogue and animating shit. It's like, it's XP gain. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's something that you could just flip a switch and it happens, but like, make it so that you earn XP when you complete matches. Like, I don't, I don't see how that's something that can't be ready for launch. Like, that, that's one of those things where it's like, that's, that's a fundamental aspect of how the multiplayer works. 
It's not like you have to create new maps and add new weapons into the sandbox and retool everything and design a new aspect of the game. It's like, just make it so that when people win matches, they get XP. Obviously, you have to rebalance how things unlock and how battle passes progress. So I understand it's not that cut and dry, but like, dude, just make it so that when you complete a fucking match, you get XP points. Why does it say... 50 points or 100 points when I kill someone in the game if that's not XP that I'm gaining. What's the fucking point? Like, just make it so that when I beat a multiplayer, when I finish a multiplayer match, I get XP, which goes to my Spartan rank, so I can rank up and then I can add to my battle pass progression. Like, it doesn't matter how arbitrary it feels to some or how, you know, how it's like, oh, it's different. You're going to like this way better once you try. It's like, no, no, no. Just do the fucking ranking. Every game does it. Everyone loves it. I love that shit. Are you kidding me? I'm only like, Halo 5 is so hard to rank up on because it takes so much XP to rank in that fucking game. I'm only like level 63 or something. Rank Spartan rank like 63 or something like that on Halo 5. It's pathetic. The highest rank is 152. I'll never get there. But I fucking love tracking it. I love knowing what my number is. I love seeing my progress bar go up. I love every time I, I rank up. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm one level higher. So that when I'm in a match and I see like, oh, that guy's only level 17. Ha ha ha. I played more of this game than him. It's fun. I don't give a shit about just the battle pass or just progress progress towards unlocking the content in the battle pass. Like, I want a Spartan rank. I want XP. I want to level up. I want to be like, cool. Now I'm Spartan rank this. Oh, man, I completed... A bunch of matches today and I performed pretty well so I got a bunch of XP and I, I got a bunch of level progress like I want that it's like saying like I, I don't know it's like it's just one of those things it's like it's just like a little progress meter to show that your time mattered yes at the end of the day it means nothing but it's like when you're reading an ebook and it and you know on like the Kindle app or something and it's like oh you're on page 147 now you are 33% done with this book and you're just like I don't know why. My tiny brain just feels happy. Like, the, the sparks go off my brain. The synapses fire in a way that, like, I feel like I've made progress because I just spent 45 minutes reading my book, and now it's telling me that I'm 33% of the way through my book. Like, I feel accomplished. Like, I feel like my time was worth something. It's a, it's a nice way to gamify your time. And I don't think there's anything better to gamify than a fucking online multiplayer video game. So, I don't care what the excuses here. I don't care about close to launch or this or that like just fucking make it so that when you finish multiplayer matches you gain xp points that add to your spartan rank so you can level up like every other fucking multiplayer game in the history of humanity including every fucking halo game since halo 3 like no excuse just do it or halo reach was the first one right uh, whatever who gives a shit for at least over the past 10 years this is how we've been doing it like no need to break the mold here, Xbox, or um, 343. This is, so, you know, you guys know me. Super high on Halo Infinite. Super optimistic about it. Can't wait for the game. A lot of people complain about the Greg memes and all the, the game doesn't look good, doesn't look visually impressive. Shut up, guys. You're just being haters. Let the game f speak for itself. You played the fucking beta. It was awesome. People want to bitch about Forge not being there on day one or co-op campaign not being there on day one. Shut up. It'll be there in a few months. Get over it. It's hard to develop a game in the middle of a pandemic. Fuck off. Like, give the game the benefit of the doubt. It'll be good. This is one of those things where it's like, this isn't like a development issue. Like, oh, oh, COVID made it impossible for us to do this. No, that's not what this is. This is a this is a specific design choice that you made. This was a deliberate move they made. It's a dumb move. Don't do it. Just don't fucking do it. So I might sound like a hypocrite because I'm always the one saying, you know, let's not step on the creative's toes. Let's let them 
fulfill their creative vision and we can respond to that how we will once it's out there. But let's let them do their thing and then react. Let's not react before we even get to experience what it is they're trying to create. I know I'm usually the guy saying that, but this is dumb. You know, this isn't their creative telling of the, of the Halo universe. This is just a simple mechanic you expect to have in every fucking video game because this is how multiplayer games work. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like if they were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided not to do reload animations in this game. Yeah, in Halo Infinite, whenever you hit the reload button, your gun will reload. It will take two to three seconds to reload, but there just won't be a reload animation. We just think it's better for our game. It's like, okay, put the fucking reload animation in there. Like, this is how we do video games, okay? When someone hits reload, the character takes out the old clip, puts in the new one, and then the gun's reloaded. Like, don't be a bitch. Just do it. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like, just this is a stupid thing to remove. I don't care what the reason is. Just put it back in there. All right. That's a very tiny brain New Yorker kind of argument, but there we go. All right, and then our final story, big story of the slow news week, but notable news week, I would say. We're going back to the boys at VGC. CD Projekt Red, speaking of Cyberpunk, CD Projekt has said that it cannot guarantee that Cyberpunk 2077, their new next-gen version of the game, will make it out this year as initially planned, shocker, though it's still targeting a 2021 release. Updating shareholders during the H1 2021 results call transcribed by VGC. The company's senior vice president of business development, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Michael Nowakowski, pointed to lessons learned in the past as the reason why the Xbox Series X and X version could miss its target date. CD Projekt has spent much of 2021 patching Cyberpunk 2077 following its trouble launch day due to buggy, due to its buggy state, which was widely perceived to have been caused by a rush release. And I'm adding this part in. Poor response by stupid fucking games media that knowingly published a fuck like positive glowing reviews being only able to play the PC build of the game and failing to note that there was literally no experience whatsoever with the PS4 and Xbox One build of the game, but still having no problem giving 9 ad 10s and 9.5 ad 10s and 8 ad 10s and being Xbox brand ambassadors for the fucking game and rolling around on Twitch streams in their CD Projekt Red leather jackets and fucking gaming chairs touting the fucking game. And then when the fucking thing came out and sucked dick, everyone was like, oh, wow, this is a real surprise to everyone. Oh, it must be a whole problem with like the, the the game or something or something sorry side note the executive then pointed to the witcher 3's own new game new next gen console port which is currently in development it's due out later this year and the company said that they couldn't make any guarantees with this project earlier despite its promised 2021 release saying quote with witcher 3 the situation is slightly different in the way that this game is being tackled because it's from an external team mainly, which is Saber Interactive, the company that we have worked with before on the Switch port of the game, and now they are also and also with updates in the past. CD Projekt has confirmed that on Thursday, but with just over one third of the company uh, currently working on Cyberpunk 2077's new next-gen version, as well as support for the original game, the remaining development staff are building the game's first expansion, Gwent, and other unannounced projects. All right, we're going to get to this in a second. I'm excited to go off on this one. Quote, the next-gen version is an important step in our adventure uh, in the Cyberpunk universe, said a CEO, Adam Kaczynski, we strongly believe in long-term potential of this IP. That's why we're currently working on the first expansion for the game, although I cannot say anything more about it at this point in time. Remember back in June, CD Projekt said that they believed Cyberpunk 2077's performance had reached a satisfying level following six months of patches designed to improve the game from its much-criticized launch state. Now, my immediate reaction to this is like, fuck you. Now, in all fairness, I haven't played Cyberpunk since probably, if I had to guess... 
The last time I tried to play it was probably around April. Now, I will give Cyberpunk this slack just to kind of just to kind of tell you where I'm at and where I've always been with this. When Cyberpunk first came out, I I got it pre-ordered not because I wasn't going to pre-order it. I got it pre-ordered because a friend of mine was taking advantage of a of of a really good deal Target does every holiday where it's like buy two of the hottest games of the year, get the third one free. And so he hooked me up and he helped me with this deal and was like, yo, I already actually have a pre-order for Cyberpunk. So if you just want to throw in like 20 bucks or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll do this deal to buy the buy two, get one free thing. And this way I save a little bit of money on my two games and you get Cyberpunk. Everyone's happy. So good friend hooked me up, helped me get this game for less than $60 and pre-ordered. Otherwise, I wasn't going to pre-order Cyberpunk. I was going to download it the day it came out or the day after it came out after, you know, the initial round of like reviews and reception came out because I wanted to see how the game does did. And I like to try and exercise my don't pre-order a game kind of thing as much as possible. Rare exception. Sonic Colors Ultimate's coming out. Don't care how much of a hypocrite I am. I pre-ordered it. Fuck you. Don't care. Halo Infinite. If it wasn't on Game Pass, I'd have that bitch pre-ordered three years ago. Hypocrite? Yes. Do I care? No. Fuck you. But this is like most games, an example of something where I would have put my money where my mouth is and said, Cyberpunk, not pre-ordering it. Does it look great? Yes. Am I excited for it? Yes. Am I pre-ordering it? No. We can wait till it comes out and then we'll see how it goes. Problem is, uh, so so I just, I just want to put this out there because I, I just want full transparency about what I'm about to say and where I'm coming from. Now, because I, I had the game pre-ordered and just shipped to me when it came out, all that, whatever, I was like, fuck it. I know everyone's already being down on it, but I pre-ordered it for next to nothing. It was a weird circumstance. I have it. Might as well just pop it and see what all the fuss is about. I played the first hour and a half of Cyberpunk, and it was very... There's a lot of, like, muddy textures, and the game didn't look as pretty as it should have. And there were a lot of graphical glitches and things like that. But in the one and a half hours I spent with the game when it first came out, running on a Series X, not an Xbox One, I felt like Cyberpunk performed a lot better than most people had reacted to it saying in my experience it was definitely playable but it did look like shit it looked rough it looked like it definitely needed at least like six more months in the oven but it definitely didn't run like uh in an unplayable state like a lot of youtube videos were showing and a lot of people were saying now i don't doubt other people were having that issue on like ps4 and xbox one and things like that or whatever wherever the hell it was broken but my personal experience it was buggy unpolished and rough around the edges but it wasn't unplayable then i played it a little more probably around april probably put another two hours into the game and i remember feeling like it played almost exactly the same now i did run into some stupid glitches here or there i ran into like a glitch once where my gun disappeared out of my hand and i was just shooting basically nothing but the game was still functioning everything was interactable and doable and it wasn't like it wasn't like I was trying to like select a mission and it just wouldn't work or I was supposed to the game was telling me to talk to this guy for my next next objective but the guy was missing and I couldn't interact with him. It wasn't like that kind of thing. It wasn't like the car driving through the map and then like being broken. It, it, none of that stuff. I never had any of those experiences. I only put in a total of like maybe 3 3 and a half hours to Cyberpunk in all the time I played it, but I never had any severe bugs the way people had shown and complained about. So, put that out there. The game definitely looked rough around the edges, and there's no denying that there are some people out there who just had a bad experience. Apparently, the game ran like shit on the PS4 and the Xbox One, and like I, I do, I've seen the videos where it's just like constant, like everything's broken to hell and back. So I believe to some extent this game is truly fucked. Whatever the case may be, there's no denying this game came out way premature. So I think at the very least, considering the debacle 
that happened last last December with this game. The very least, what what CD Projekt should be doing is everything's on hold. Fuck went for a moment. Fuck expansion content. That's the one that upsets me the most. Working on expansion content for Cyberpunk. Fuck all of that stuff. Right now, it is all hands on deck on patching this game, getting it polished up, and getting the next-gen version out. That should be the number one and only focus. I'll give them a pass on uh, on the on the Witcher 3 remake because that's being outsourced to a different company. But this whole, like, oh, we split off a third of the team to work on DLC for the game. And, like, a third of the team's working on the next-gen patch. And another third of the team is working on patching the game and getting it ready. I understand. Not everyone's skills are transferable to what this game needs, right? If you're someone who wrote story, you can be working on the expansion because... They don't need to fix the game's story. They need to fix the game's performance. So I get it. Not everyone's job is transferable to what needs to be done with this game. So I, I understand. I respect that. But for them to be like, oh, yeah, we have the audacity in a time like this to announce like, yeah, we're working on uh, new content for the game and all this other shit and these other games in our portfolio. It's like, dude, what? fix your fucking cyberpunk game, man. Like no one cares about anything else. Fix fucking Cyberpunk. There's no reason for this to not make its its uh, 2021 release, you know? There's no reason for this game to hit one year on the market and for it to still be a broken piece of shit. Now, again, they claim as of June that the game's in a pretty satisfying state in terms of performance and, and play. I don't know. I haven't played the game since they said that. Maybe it is. I don't know. But... It, it, it upsets me a little bit that they're here talking about, oh, we might have to delay this and this and this because in the same story, they're talking about how, well, I mean, it's an investor's call. So, of course, they got to talk about what all they're doing with investors. They can't hide this shit. That's illegal. But the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, we've been working on Gwen and other projects and expansion content. It's like, guys, fix your fucking game. That's what we need. Like, th- what they should be telling investors is like, yeah, so the reason why we don't have a bunch of new stuff to show you on on these other projects and on Gwent and stuff is because we've been so all hands on deck on trying to fix Cyberpunk that we just haven't had the manpower to work on these other projects that we wanted to be on. You should be breaking that bad news to your investors because you're that committed to fixing your fucking broken game you released a year early. That's that's where we should be. Not, oh yeah, that 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 content that that's supposed to make the game, you know, work on the Xbox Series X like we promised. That's getting delayed because, you know, we got our teams kind of spread thin with all the shit and COVID and you know what. So this upsets me a little bit. I don't I don't I don't know how to take this. Um, I don't know. I don't know how else to interpret this other than it seems like they're doing some mismanaging. Now, I know a huge part of CD Projekt's right. CD Projekt's issue these days is they're doing a lot of self-publishing and it's hard. This is why people have publishers is because production's a real thing. It takes time. It takes a lot of coordination, a lot of work getting things on target and, and meeting deadlines and being realistic about budgets and when things can come out and hitting these milestones. It's not, it's not easy work. And that stuff's hard to do. If you're trying to make a game, you don't usually have time to produce it as well. So it's hard. I get that. But th- this game shouldn't be coming up in the news for anything other than like, Hey guys, it's good. Now we got the Xbox series X uh, update. It looks beautiful. Now it runs beautifully. Now, you happy now? We're sorry. We fucked up. And to say sorry, um, here's the first expansion of the game. It's fucking free because we fucked you guys over for so long. I don't know, like something like that. Like it's insane to me. This is the perfect example. Like we talked about like the Activision harassment stuff, the lawsuits and the allegations going on with Activision and Blizzard right now. This is how you know that all that stuff is just water under the bridge and people are going to forget about it in 10 seconds is because 
everything that happened with Cyberpunk happened less than 12 months ago. And no one cares. No one's talking about it anymore. Everyone's like, eh, whatever. Now, now I, I have gone on record and said in the past before, just to be fair, I think this situation has was overblown at the time that it happened. I think, again, judging by my experience, the game was never as rough around the edges as people reported. And I, I think it's a little overblown. So I just want to be transparent about that. I have said that. But that still being said, what's upsetting me here isn't that, you know, it's not that the part that's upsetting me here is, is hearing them be like, yeah, 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 we're going to have all these fixes and all this new content, the Series X patch and all that shit out by the end of the year. But now they're like, oh, we might delay it because we let like uh, like two-thirds of our team work on other stuff that wasn't getting this game out the door the way it needed to be. And that's what I'm talking about. Now I'm upset because it seems like there's been a, mi a misuse of resources. So I don't know. Again, not 100% of that team is transferable to the things that need to be done on this project. So I don't expect them to say, yes, 100% of our men have been working. 100% of our staff have been working on the Xbox Series X update and all the patches for the game. It's like, no, that's unrealistic. But... For them to just be like, oh, yeah, we're working on Gwent and another game and a port of this and expansion content for the game we haven't even fixed yet. It's like, oof, okay. Maybe, I, maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe I'll go play boot up Cyberpunk this week and and see how the game looks and runs. And I'll be like, oh, what what do you know? The game's, the game's fucking good now. But it's it's not the end of the world. I would just I would just prefer to see them be like, hey, we want we have every intention of doing additional content on this game. But that is like kind of pushed off way into the distance right now because... We're focused way more on getting this shit fixed than we are on that content. And I'm sure that is what they're actually doing. But uh, to come out and just be like, yeah, we're working on expansion content and other games and Gwent and all this bullshit. But, uh, you know, game's in a good state. But again, I, I, the other the other slack I will give them, last thing here, they are talking to investors. Their job, to this audience, their job is to sell all the good shit they're doing. Not to, not to be like, yeah, we fucked up so catastrophically, all we can focus on is fixing this one mistake we made. Because that's not what your investors want to hear. Your investors want to hear, okay, you fucked up here. Try to fix it where you can. But what do we got down the pipeline? That's gonna, you know, that's gonna bring in money. That's gonna rebuild your in, your name and all that. So I I do understand that perspective as well. So with that, let's shut up. I'm still tired of talking about CD Projekt Red. So that's the first time we've talked about them in depth for a long time. And uh, I'm I'm suddenly fatigued and tired of it again. So that's it for all of our big news. As a reminder, you know, as every week as we're seeming to get more and more, Xbox posted some game pass updates so some new games coming and going from the service so coming soon are the following games on september 2nd we've got surgeon simulator 2 coming to cloud console and pc sign of sojourner sojourner coming cloud console and pc september 2nd final fantasy 13 which it's coming to cloud and uh, sorry console and pc kind of tempted to go back to that game i never finished it and craftopia which is coming to game preview available cloud console and pc september 2nd now on september 7th we've got crown trick coming to console and pc we got on september 9th breathage coming to cloud console and pc it's an indie title uh and then also on september 9th we've got nuclear throne on console and pc and the artful escape on console and pc now leaving game pass on september 13th we've got red dead online leaving cloud and console that is like the second or third time that game has left game pass and then leaving september 15th we've got company of heroes 2 leaving pc disgaea 4 leaving pc i didn't even realize that was on pc forza motorsport 7 leaving cloud console pc that remember that game's being delisted and then hotshot racing leaving cloud and console the dark crystal age of resistance tactics leaving cloud console and pc and lastly Thronebreaker, the witcher the witcher tales leaving cloud and console on september 15th so 
And that is it for all those updates on Game Pass. And now we round out with the important enough news. These aren't the big news stories, but these are the stories important enough to make the podcast just not necessarily big enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we got a short handful. So real quick, knocking them out. Xbox Wire announces that Microsoft have revealed the official launch date of Windows 11, which will be available beginning October 5th. Now, you may be saying, Jesse, this is an Xbox podcast, not a Windows podcast. Why are you telling us about Windows 11? Well, shut up. Here's why. Windows 11 will be available through a free upgrade for all eligible Windows 10 PCs that come preloaded with Windows... uh, I'm sorry. And coming preloaded with Windows 11 will be Xbox Game Pass baked into the system redesigned for Windows 11. The operating system is designed with superior graphics, amazing speeds in uh, in gaming on Windows 11 to make games look and play better than ever before. Of course, the best the best graphics and speed are nothing without the games, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, that was a press release, so it reads a little self-congratulatory. But uh, Windows 11, officially launching October 5th. I'm excited to see the new version of Game Pass because the Game Pass on PC kind of sucks dick a little bit. And I can say it confidently now that I've been playing PC, but apparently this version's promised to be a lot better. So looking forward to that on October 5th. Now, next, Windows Central reports that Microsoft have announced via Xbox Wire that they are the official gaming partner for the England fo- for England football teams. This means the Linuses, E-Lions, the Three Lions, the Wembley Stadium connected by EE and St. George's Park are all partnered with Xbox. I don't know what I just read. This partnership sees Xbox beginning a grassroots gaming campaign which is set to bring a yet undisclosed exciting experiences for football fans football being soccer of course for those americans who don't catch the interchanging reference this is described as a multi-year partnership effort with xbox sticking it sticking to its ongoing uh, motto which is when everybody plays we all win outside there aren't any details available right now so stay tuned if you give a shit about that which probably don't Next, VGC reports that an Italian retailer has seemingly leaked the Battlefield 2042 beta dates, according to the listing from Media World. The beta is supposed to take place on September 6th through 11th, which is very soon. It is before, basically before next week's podcast is when it would begin uh, this Monday, upcoming Monday. And VGC asked EA for comment, and all EA said was, uh, if you pre-order this product by September 3rd, you will receive access to an early beta of the game from September 6th through the 11th, or that's what the listing read. But EA just commented and said, oh, the beta will be in September, no comment on the rest. So probably confirmed, but not really confirmed as of yet. But just follow up on that if you're eager. It could, we could be playing that game as soon as a week from now. Now, next up, IGN reports that Chinese developer and publisher NetEase is reportedly in final negotiations with Yakuza creator Toshihiro Nagoshi to hire him away from Sega, where he's been since 1989. That's right, since before the Sonic days. According to a report from Bloomberg, a NetEase, at NetEase, Nagoshi would be expected to build a new team and develop a brand new game for the company. Though the final contract is... And any details of the job role have yet to be set in stone. And then uh, penultimately, IGN reports that Brendan Green, a.k.a. Player Unknown and the creator of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, has announced uh, the formation of a new indie team from Amsterdam, Netherlands. Green was originally a modder whose experience with the Battle Royale genre eventually led to the creation of PUBG. Uh, He later was hired by Bluehole to continue developing the game under the newly formed PUBG Studios. Following the success of the game, Bluehole renamed itself Crafton, and then in 2019, they announced uh, Green announced that he was stepping away from PUBG to work on experimental projects with a small team in Amsterdam. 
Then lastly, IGN reports that Konami is phasing out online support for Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, and Metal Gear Online on Xbox 360 beginning now. As of the time you're hearing this podcast, Metal Gear Solid 5's purchase system on 360 is shutting down. All DLC for Metal Gear Online will no longer be available for purchase beginning on November 30th. I don't know why that's hard for me to take in. I feel like the game is still new, but it's like six years old now. But that's only for the 360 version, not the Xbox One version, just as a clarification. Now, that's going to do it for all of our news, guys. This is a longer episode, so I think we will skip the new game releases of the week. But I do want to tell you about Games of Gold, because it is September, which is a new month, which means new games. There are four new games, not that exciting of a month, but there's there's one 360 game that I think is pretty cool. Anyway, Warhammer Chaos Bane will be available for the entire month of September, so download that one now. Zone of the Enders HD Collection from September 1 through 15, 360 game, or not 360 game, it's a 360 HD remake of a game that was originally released on PS2. So that's the one I was talking about is cool. That is a Hideo Kojima game. Uh, that is a Hideo Kojima game that I actually like a lot. I, I never beat it, but I did play it on PS2 back in the day. Zone of the Enders, it's like a mech Japanese action game. It's pretty fucking cool. Samurai Showdown 2 from September 16th through the 30th. Xbox 360 game available. And then lastly, M- Mulaka from September 16th through October 15th. You'll be able to download that game for free. So that is it for Games of Gold, you guys. And with that all out of the way, almost two hours in. So let's wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As a reminder, I'd like to say, just plug myself real quick because I'm trying to trying to help get some new eyes on my shit. But I'm working on some new YouTube content. New videos should be up. I don't want to put a date on it yet, but I am working on it. Um, so you can follow me on YouTube.com slash Lightning Extreme for that. Follow me on Twitch where we are live every Monday and Thursday and sometimes even on the weekends at twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter for any updates on any of those things or just some stupid tweets that no one cares about at Jesse DeRosa. And then finally, of course, I'm here on the Xbox on podcast. So you can find it on YouTube, find all, all major plat- pod- podcast platforms, whatever, Stitcher, Spotify. Over a thousand of you have subscribed to this podcast. and It blows my tiny fucking brain. Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate the support. Please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, tell a friend, tell a family, uh, go into vaccination centers around the country and say, the the real conspiracy isn't what's in the vaccine, it's what's in this week's episode of Xbox On, a podcast hosted by one man about all things Xbox and sometimes everything but Xbox. Here, check it out. And then throw people my demo tape and make sure you toss at their forehead so it leaves a nice little mark so that when they look in the mirror later that night, they'll go, where the fuck did this red mark on my forehead come from? And then boom, it'll pull them back to earlier in the day when that guy threw a demo reel of me talking into a microphone for two hours in the back. Oh, I got to check out Xbox On. And then they'll check out Xbox On. They'll see this part where I'm plugging myself in the back. Oh, he's also on Twitter and Twitch and another YouTube channel. And then the cycle repeats itself and then before you know it they're throwing demo tapes at people's heads and they're following me on twitch and they're following me on on twitter and then they're telling their friends and they're throwing demo tapes at their neighbors and at kids at school and that trick-or-treat candy no fuck you i'm gonna throw a demo tape of xbox on where are these demo tapes coming from i don't know i'm sure as hell not producing them but you can make one you know power your dreams whatnot and then these people they they go around this the Listen, they go around, they, they go jogging in their neighborhood, and they're like, oh, what's up, neighbor? Oh, hi, neighbor. The neighbor's mowing the lawn, the guy's walking his dog, the guy's jogging. Have you have you heard this guy? Boom, chucks a demo tape of the guy's head. Oh, what's this shit? Oh, it's the greatest podcast about a, one host in French Toast, Xbox On, hosted by Jesse Rosa.
Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and they tell their friends and before you know it, they're going to church and they're throwing the demo tapes at everyone. It's a great